0: Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from last week's Bible conference in Prescott, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's sermon.
1: Amen, glory to God. Uh, Well, um, I have to say I was just as shocked as you were when you first saw the flyer. (laughs) But um, it's been an incredible week, uh, incredible ministry. I hope to just really add and stir some hearts. Uh, Tonight, I do want to say thank you to Pastor Greg Uh, and the Prescott Conference for the invitation. I did fast this Saturday, and I prayed for God to give me a message. And uh, I heard Pastor Wayman Mitchell's voice loud and clear as I was praying. He said two words to me. He said, Roman, kiss. (laughs) Keep it simple, stupid. I can follow those instructions, amen. I'm going to keep it very, very simple tonight, amen. Hopefully stir some hearts. Joshua 4.14, Moses has just died and uh, Joshua, he receives the mantle to continue to take the land and get the children of Israel to the promised land and it says, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. On that day, there's a question um, that I constantly hear as I'm traveling around our fellowship, and that question is, how does Pastor Greg Mitchell do everything that he does? Right, we'll sit around, and they're just asking, how is he able to put out everything uh, that he puts out, uh, the uh, material, Uh, Being able to host a conference, um, uh, a book, um, and uh, two sermons uh, in each conference every six months. And I thought about it, and I got this revelation. Um, The reason that he's able to do what he does is because of this. On that day, on that day, Pastor Greg Mitchell received uh, the mantle to continue to carry our fellowship um, into the next level. You know, there are things, no doubt, that other men have or other couples have that you want, you long for in your ministry that you will never have uh, until you are willing to take the mantle of ministry. God gives it to you on that day. I'm going to preach a sermon this evening that I've entitled The Mantle. Let's look at, first of all, still taking the land the need for Joshua's. The mantle, we know, is a symbol of God's assignment, God's anointing, and God's authority. The mantle was a cloak or a garment that the prophet Elijah wore. Probably, commentators feel, you know, to stay warm in the nights of the desert, of the cold nights of the desert, it's symbolic for God's purposes in your life. This metaphor or pattern for casting or throwing a mantle on a person uh, is best known from the story of Elijah and Elijah. But you will see this pattern all throughout the Bible. We saw it in David. David's assignment was to be the next king of Israel. He was then anointed by the prophet and then the day came when he was crowned uh, as the king of Israel and uh, the authority came. We see this in the disciples. Jesus said, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. The assignment was given. Then came three years, um, uh, a three-year process. uh, And in this process, uh, Jesus anointed them to go out two by two. Then came the authority on the day of Pentecost as Peter stood up and he preached with authority. See, God has not changed the process for the mantle. It still involves an assignment, it still involves anointing, and it still involves authority. Now, I'm going to draw a parallel between Joshua and Elijah, because how many know you can't preach on the mantle and not mention uh, Elijah? These were two men, Joshua and Elijah, that sat under incredible and powerful ministries, some of the most powerful men in the Bible, that cast their mantle on them. Let's look at uh, the assignments. For Joshua and the children of Israel, it was to keep taking the land and to get to the promised land. In Joshua 1, 1, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Moses, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, uh, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. You have to figure out, beloved, tonight, what your assignment is in the kingdom of God. We've all been called to do something in the kingdom of God we're called to serve we're called to give some people are called to get send out you see this in elijah also it was to serve under elijah that was his assignment and to one day do twice as much as elijah had done everyone has an assignment pastor olson you'll hear him say from time to time god has given me this assignment i mean know oh, god is still handing out assignments today that there's still so much work uh, for our fellowship to do um, and uh, so much land to take. I know we keep hearing that our fellowship is old or getting old, right? But I'm here to tell you this evening that there's still much to do. Pastor Ruby and Pastor Mitchell's, at Pastor uh, Mitchell's funeral He made this statement. He said that Pastor Wayman Mitchell's healing ministry took off uh, in his fifties. That tells me that we're just getting started. I'm 52 years old, man. When I heard that, I was 49. I was, I got excited. I said, man, the best is yet to come. Joshua and the children of Israel were called uh, to keep taking the land. That was their assignment. The mantle also involves anointing. And we see from the lies of Joshua and Elijah that true anointing has to be tried. It's a process. We know that Joshua served under Moses for 40 plus years. He fought down in the trenches while Aaron and Hur were up on the mountain with Moses holding up his arms. Can I say to you tonight that there is no anointing without the process? You don't go from your assignment to, to authority. You go from assignment to anointing and then authority. Elijah was no different. That there was a preparation before he received Elijah's anointing. Pastor Greg Mitchell in leadership a couple of years ago, he mentioned how Pastor Wayman Mitchell, his father, told him in 2004 that he was going to begin to prepare him to hand over the fellowship. He told him that in 2004. He didn't hand over the fellowship until 2019. That's when that picture took place. Elijah said to Elijah, if you are there when I am taken up, meaning just because you started strong doesn't mean that you're going to finish strong. Elijah, you have to be able to go through the process if you want a double portion. 2 Kings 2.9, and so it was when they had crossed Over That Elijah said to Elijah, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away? And Elijah said, please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be. Little side note here. Anointing and mantles can be lost in the process. We know that Saul lost his anointing and God gave it to David. I remember in 2000, I was just a, a young disciple there in my mother church in San Antonio. Several of our leaders uh, had left our fellowship. And I remember, I don't remember if it was a, a Wednesday night, but Pastor Ruby, he got up and he said, several leaders from our fellowship have, have left. These men were very Gifted. anointed when they spoke Uh, and then he said um, God is going to take their anointing uh, and give it to other men uh, and other couples in our fellowship and I remember I mean I'm just a young disciple and I heard that I remember coming to the altar and I said oh God if there's any way you can trust me with that anointing I said I will take care of it I'm still waiting for the anointing but it's a process then comes the authority our text, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua. Second Kings two fourteen. then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elijah crossed over. The mantle involves authority. You see, here's the problem. People want authority, but for all the wrong reasons. They want to be in control. They want to tell people what to do. They want to look important. You know who the best leaders are? The best leaders are those that serve in humility and in meekness. Humility, the definition, a modest or low view of one's own importance. Meekness comes from the Greek origin, praus, P-R-A-U-S, which is translated as strength under control in ancient Greece war horses were trained to be meek and strong and powerful yet under the control of their master the greatest example of this is jesus christ and paul he mentions this in philippians 2 4 let each of you look out not only for his own interest but also for the interest of others let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found uh, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What Paul is saying here is you're supposed to be working your way down, not up. That God is the one that exalts you. And if you're not aiming at that, then you're aiming at the wrong thing. It's while you're serving. Mark ten forty two. but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great, you shall be, uh, you shall be your servant. Uh, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, uh, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said the least will become the greatest. In other words, it's not about platform. It's about service. And when you serve people this way, beloved, they want your mantle. How I many know it does no good to have a mantle if nobody wants it? See, our responsibility as a pastor, as a fellowship, is to keep taking the land and to keep passing the mantle. So let's look at secondly what hinders the process. Now that we've established uh, the purpose for the, uh, for the mantle, let's talk about what hinders churches or pastors or couples from still taking the land. And we're going to look at uh, three things that almost took Joshua and Elijah. I'm going to switch now to Elijah because it better explains uh, what I'm trying to say. Three things that almost took them out or stopped them from going forward. Uh, Joshua and Elijah both experienced droughts. Both experienced fire and both experienced rain. And how many know that we're going to go through droughts? We're going to go through times of of fire and times of rain, uh, metaphorically and spiritually and financially in our walk with God. See, droughts represent those dry and barren seasons of our lives. When you can't see God, when you can't feel God. We know that Joshua, the Bible, tells us that Joshua, along with the children of Israel, spent 40 years in the wilderness after being set free from, uh, from Egypt. 40 years of going in circles. This was a, a dry time, a, a drought, if you would, in their life. Everyone experiences droughts. Elijah, we know, spent three and a half years in a serious drought and famine. Droughts this past year uh, have been affecting America. Several lakes and rivers have gone dry. And I read this article, it says, since May, authorities have now uncovered four sets of human remains at Lake Med. As the country's largest reservoir deals with extremely low water levels, more human remains were found at Lake Med, according to the official Saturday. I mean, oh, that's what droughts do. Droughts expose exposes what's beneath the surface there's nothing like a drought in your ministry to expose attitudes to expose rebellions and to expose sins you begin to compare yourself to others when you're in a drought you begin to question God when you are in a drought and Elijah and Joshua both had to experience these dry seasons in their lives Joshua and Elijah both experienced fire. A lot's been said about fire this week. But in 1 Kings 18, 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. We know that they've been experiencing a three and a half year drought. And they are now on Mount Carmel and Elijah begins to call down uh, fire. Amen. I he begins to pray to God and God uh, sends down fire. Now, fire is symbolic for a few things in the Bible. As it's been said this week, it's uh, symbolic for God's presence, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for revival. But the one I want to zone in on tonight is fire is also symbolic for purification and cleansing. Remember, the children of Israel were in a drought because they had rebelled against God uh, and turned to idolatry. In 1 Kings 18, 21, and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Listen, nothing hinders churches uh, and a move of God uh, from still taking the land more than idolatry. All the Philistines in the world couldn't stop the children of Israel, but sin in the camp did. Achan brought back some of the spoils into his house when God had forbidden it. As a result, they couldn't defeat the enemy and they could not move forward until the fire came down. Before executing judgment, Joshua had the camp cleansed. Of all the accursed things, and said to Achan, "Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble you this day." Joshua 7:25. Achan and his household were then stoned and burned to death. Idolatry hinders people from still taking the land. Careers, families and sports have become idols in America. And fewer people are choosing to pick up the mantle of ministry and to keep taking the land. I remember pioneering in Victoria. I was working for a a soda company called Big Red, delivering soda. I made $236 a week there. My wife can do miracles with pennies, and so we were able to survive. But I went from Victoria to evangelizing. I went from making $236 a week to six figures a year from one year to the other. I evangelized for three and a half years. Saw powerful, a powerful move of God. Two, three, four, five, six hundred people getting saved in much of these revivals. I remember going up to Pastor Ruby. And saying to him, man, they're extending into all my off weeks. I'm never home. I don't know what to do. And Pastor Ruby said to me, okay, don't extend anymore unless 200 or more people get saved in the revivals. Uh, And that didn't help anything. I felt the call to go overseas. And I believe at that moment, beloved, I was at a crossroads. We were incredibly blessed, and I believe that those were God's blessings upon our lives. But if I would have said no to uh, to Bolivia, at that moment, those blessings would have become idols. This takes a lot of people out. Then came the rain. Rain is symbolic for God's blessings. Metaphorically speaking, sometimes blessings take out more people than droughts and fires. If you've ever been in a flood, you know that those floodwaters cause things to float. Listen, if you were able to somehow survive the drought and the fire, in the floods, and many times expose what didn't get exposed through those things. This is why blessings take out more people than droughts sometimes. See, the number one reason that couples aren't willing to go to another nation is not because the devil's too big. Sometimes it's because the blessings are too big. People start skipping services, can't get involved anymore. You're tied down now. And you become or you start to worship the blessing instead of the blesser. There are couples here that you told God when you had nothing that you were willing to go anywhere. See, but now that you have a career, now you have a business, now you have a mortgage, now you have a car payment. Now you say, God, as soon as my kids graduate, then I'll go. And this is true even for pastors, churches here that can't cast your mantle on a couple because you're in debt. One pastor said to me, I can't send out couples because I'm saving to purchase a building. Listen, we're not called to purchase buildings. We're called to take the land. Amen. If in the process of taking the land, God blesses you and you're able to purchase a building, then that's powerful. But we're not called to purchase buildings, we're called to take the land. When Pastor Mitchell saw our building at the end of the tour, he put his arm around me and he said, I better not ever hear that you're not sending out churches because of this building. And there are couples here, well-seasoned pastors, that God's pressing on you and challenging you to send a couple overseas. But you're looking at your goals, you're looking at, and your priorities are wrong. Many times, if not the drought or the fire, the blessing will take you out. It'll stop a move of God. So let's close with taking the mantle on that day. God gives you a mantle on that day. You say, well, God, first show me, first give me. Then I'll take the mantle. God says, no, first take the mantle. Like I said in the beginning of the sermon, there are things God will not provide in your life until that day, until you are willing to step up here Our biggest fear many times is to fail, isn't it? Many times because we're unqualified. We don't feel like we're qualified. But on that day, God will give you what you're lacking. I've never felt qualified, beloved, to take any of the assignments that God has given me. I don't feel qualified for this assignment tonight. But you know what? Something happens when you step up. God gives you what you need that day. Amen. Three things taking the mantle involves. It involves purpose, it involves passion, and it involves promise. What is your purpose? It's one of the first things you should figure out in the kingdom of God. Because clarifying what the Bible says about your purpose helps in three important ways. It it declares why you exist, for one. It captures the heart of why you are on this earth and why Jesus died for you. It also helps you deny your life, not in terms of what you think, but in terms of what God thinks about you. It also anchors your life in the character and the call of God. Once you know what your purpose is, then you understand that this is what you were born to do. And so many people are afraid of doing the will of God. Remember, what God has called hell can't stop. You think about Elijah, Jezebel, and says, you know what, by this time tomorrow, Elijah is going to die. You know what happened? 24 hours passed, and Elijah was still alive. Five years passed, he was still alive. Ten years passed, he was still alive. Listen, he never died. He got raptured. Because hell can't stop what God has called. It involves passion. Joshua 14, 11, Caleb said, As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Caleb says, I have some unfinished business here. There's some people here You have some unfinished business There's some mountains, amen That you need to take For the kingdom of God But it's going to involve passion You know, this past April We had our conference And Pastor Joe Campbell Was one of the guest speakers And uh, during our break You know, I invite several pastors to come in And we're sitting there with uh, Pastor Campbell It's me and him on the table And um, During my break, I'll have tamales and and chicharrones and all these great things. And so so we're in there, and there's probably about 20 pastors in there with with us. And me and Pastor Campbell are sitting alone on the table, and all the other pastors are eating chicharrones and tamales. And, And I have to say, I got a little upset. And I said to them, I said, hey, you have... Pastor Joe Campbell in front of you. You don't have anything you want to ask him? Do you realize who, he is a monarch in our fellowship. How many know sometimes your appetites can be in the wrong places? <laughs> it involves passion, physically, mentally, spiritually. You have to want the mantle more than anything in your life. It also involves promise God's promise is fruitfulness he promises an inheritance pastor Greg Mitchell a couple of years ago prophesied about Amos 913 how the plowman was going to begin to overtake the Reaper beloved we are experiencing that prophecy right now right now is the time to act And we've heard it said before, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. You think about the 12 spies. They weren't able to take over the land because 10 men chose to do nothing. Pastor Ralph Ledesma, he pastors there in the valley, he shared this story with me. It's about uh, Neville Chamberlain. who was the prime minister of United Kingdom from 1937 to 1940, he made a peace treaty with Hitler. And as a result, we saw the tragedy behind it. Millions of Jews were slaughtered. But the article says this, instituted in the hope of avoiding war, appeasement was the name given to Britain's policy in the 1930s of allowing Hitler to expand the Germany territory unchecked. Most closely associated with British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, it is now widely discredited as a policy of weakness. Yet at that time, it was a it was popular and seemingly pro- pragmatic uh, policy. He was a man who had the power to stop the force of evil, but he chose to do nothing instead. And we know that shortly after Winston Churchill was ordained as the Prime Minister and the rest, uh, as they say, is history. But listen to this. Winston Churchill, it says, became Britain's prime minister on May 10th, 1940, as he was later to write, I felt that all my past life had been put a preparation for this hour and for this trial. On the very day that Churchill fulfilled his life's ambition, Germany had that morning invaded France, Belgium, and the Netherlands. And we know that Churchill put a stop to evil. What about you this evening? This past conference, as I close, this past conference, uh, we launched Tony and uh, Rosie Frades into the Philippines. And uh, if you know uh, Tony and Rosie Frades, uh, they're an extremely young couple. I'd like for them to walk forward. Would you come please? Tony and Rosie are on the way to the Philippines. <clears throat> Tony, as God cast his mantle to the Philippines, Tony accepted. Only turning 70 in two months. Amen. Right. I, uh, one of my disciples, Joy Pena, he looked up this flag. It is a National Earth Day flag. I didn't want to use anybody's flag and offend them. But what a sad day, beloved, it's going to be. When God cast his mantle... And there's nobody there to catch it. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight.
0: Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to World Evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.